0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission. Connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Today we're going to wrap up our series with Peter's closing words. When I first arrived at Temple nearly five years ago, we spent almost an entire year, that first year, talking about the grace of God. And if there was ever a time in human history... That God's grace needs to be extended to people. It's now. But as I said, it seems to be in limited supply. It's not a common word in our culture today. So what is grace? Grace is being given what you do not deserve. We, we, oftentimes you'll hear people refer to grace and mercy. They interchange the two words, but they're really completely different. Grace, right? Being given what you do not deserve. Mercy is being is not being given what you do deserve. So grace is being given the good things that you don't deserve. Mercy is not being given the bad things that you do deserve. So let me kind of give you a test, okay? See if you can distinguish between the two, grace and mercy. If you're watching online, you can just type in your answer, mercy or grace. Or you can shout it out wherever you may be watching. You're living in your bedroom or kitchen, wherever you may be watching this morning. You're late for class and your teacher doesn't mark you as tardy. Is that grace, or is that mercy? That's mercy, that's right, because you deserve to be written up as tardy, but you're not. Okay, what about this? Despite a bad economic year at the company, you still get a bonus. Grace or mercy? That's grace. You get uh, pulled over for speeding, and you get a warning and not a ticket. Grace or mercy? Mercy, right? We deserve the ticket, but we didn't get it. Hey, teens, you miss curfew, and your parents do not ground you, and they say, ah, don't worry about it this time. Grace or mercy? That's a miracle. Because you won't hear that from often from parents. Grace is extending favor or kindness to one who doesn't deserve it, and by the way, cannot earn it. That's what God does. And that is who God is. The reality is, if you think you can pay back God's grace, then you don't have a complete understanding of the grace of God. In fact, I think we cheapen God's grace when we think we can pay it back. And, you know, sometimes we get this attitude, I'm going to make sure that God knows I'm worthy of his grace. When we have that kind of mindset, we don't really fully understand But when we do fully understand the grace of God, it changes us. In fact, it changes everything about us. I like Donald Barnhouse's definition of grace. He says, love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. But love that stoops down is grace. Don't you love that? Love that goes upward, that's worship. Love that goes outward, that's affection. But a love that would stoop down, that's grace. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5. I just at a couple verses here. In chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. 10 and 11. It says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Notice that phrase. He's the God of all grace. He's not the God of some grace. He's not the God of um, most grace. Uh, He's not the God of selected grace. He isn't the God of grace just for those who follow him. He's also the God of grace of those who deny his very existence. Anything, anything good that anyone has ever received is because of the grace of God. James puts it this way, every good, every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from From the Father. So even the atheist, the agnostic who does not acknowledge um, God's existence, his very next breath is still the grace of God. Even though they don't know it and they may not even recognize it, that's still the grace of God. You have a job that pays your bills, that's God's grace. You have a job that pays your bills and you like it, well, that's God's amazing grace. You have a job that pays your bills and you like it and you're good at it. That's what we call God's abundant grace. Our homes, it's because of the grace of God. Our families, it's because of the grace of God. Our health, it's because of the grace of God. And I want you to understand, whatever we have, it's because of the grace of God. Whatever I have, it's because of the grace of God. Whatever you have, it really is because of God's grace, and he is the God of all grace. You have the ability to go out in your yard and make beautiful gardens, well that's the grace of God. You have the ability to work through complex issues, well that's the grace of God. And God's grace is past, it's present, and God's grace is also for the future. If you remember when we first started uh, studying the book of 1 Peter, we said our salvation has a past and present and future aspect. We have been been saved in the past, we're being saved, and we will be saved. We we have been saved from the penalty of sin, we, we are being saved from the power of sin, and one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Well, grace is the same. There is a past grace, a present grace, and a future grace, in fact, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a young man named Titus. It kind of gives us a, a kind of a good picture of grace. Titus chapter 2. I'll just quickly read it to you. It says for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It has appeared. Like that's the past grace. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worthy passions and to live self-righteous or self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. That's present grace. why we wait for the blessed hope. That's that past grace. It's present grace, but it's also future grace. And here, in First Peter chapter five, Peter's actually talking about a future grace and a present grace. He says, you have been called to his eternal glory in Christ. That's future grace. The blessing of God's eternal present. You know, older Christians, older saints, will sometimes refer to heaven as glory. Oh, they have passed on to glory. You know, if you grew up... Um, and the old time baptist church maybe you remember this song you know there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine oh yes it's mine right that's that's the glory that one day awaits for us and he's the god of all grace past grace present grace future grace who has called you one day to his eternal glory in christ after though by the way notice what it says here after you have suffered a little while quite the contrast glory is for eternity suffering is temporary now i realize some of you will say it doesn't feel temporary donald i understand because for some of you that suffering has gone on not just for weeks or months it's been years and it doesn't feel temporary So Peter's trying to tell us, but in comparison to eternity, it will feel like a little while when you are in eternity. So Peter has a few things he wants us to remember. Number one, your suffering is temporary. There are no exceptions, even for Christians. We live in a fallen world, therefore we will experience suffering. But when you enter into that eternal glory in Christ, it all changes. Even after just one day, after one day in the presence of his glory, a hundred years of suffering will seem like nothing. The thing is, it's not just one day that we're going to be in his presence. We're going to be in his presence for all eternity. So in comparison, yes, our suffering is temporary. And so suffering needs to be viewed in light of eternity. Second thing Peter wants us to know about grace is that God wants to accomplish something in you. Here's the reality, and we all know this to be true. We grow more in pain than we do in pleasure. We grow more in tears than laughter. The truth is, the way that we become, um, have find spiritual progress in our life, is not, it's when life is harder, not when life is easier. The most intense time of growth is always in pain, not pleasure. I wish it was different. I wish God had a different system, but that's not how it works. That is our reality. We all want to live in sunshine with no rain. But in reality, we end up with a shallow life, if that be the case. So Peter says, while you're suffering... Remember, suffering is temporary. Number two, God wants to accomplish something in you. Paul, again, comments on this in another book that he wrote in Second Corinthians. I just want to read it to you really quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly We are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what we see, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We suffer now for a little while, but what awaits for us is an eternal glory in Christ. The suffering that you have right now, it's real, yes, real, painful, it hurts, but it's temporary in light of what comes ahead. In fact, the Apostle Paul again made comments about this in Romans chapter eight, verse 18. Let me read it quickly to you. I consider, he says, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You can't even compare the two. One is temporary and one is for eternity. Let me give you maybe a, an illustration that might hit home with this. Women. For those who have experienced giving birth to a child. You know, you're excited month after month, you're, you're excited, and it gets close to the ninth month, and all of a sudden you go into labor. You're in the hospital, and I've heard stories where some people give birth to babies like instantly. And others are going for 5 hours and 10 hours and 20 hours and 30 hours. Some of 40 hours of hard labor. Can you imagine your husband saying, Oh, honey, it's just temporary. It soon will all be over. No, because it's real. It's painful. It hurts in the moment. But as soon as that child is in the arms of that mother, you forget about it all. Because all you see is the gift Of a brand new life. That's the idea. It's true. It hurts. It's painful the moment. But there is a day coming that it will all change. And you'll forget it all. Temporary. That's future grace. But then there's this present grace. That he talks about as well. It says. In verse 10 there. He will restore you he will make you strong he'll make you firm and he'll make you steadfast he will restore you the idea is like he will heal you It's like you've had a a bone that's been snapped and broken he he mends it and puts it back together and makes it even stronger he'll make you strong to be able to stand against the external pressures just a few verses early, earlier in that chapter, Peter talks about we have an enemy, a lion who roars looking whom he may devour. And he's saying you'll be able to, because of the grace of God, even be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You'll be able to stand against the external pressures that you'll find yourself wanting to cave under. He says he'll make you firm. He'll make you steadfast. You'll, you'll have the strong foundation to stand against the storms. Of life it's all because of God's present grace suffering is never meaningless God's always doing something I've often said this God is always at work sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't because God is always at work sometimes he's working behind the scenes of our life Why? For our good and for His glory. We don't often see what this suffering is doing right now, but trust me, God is always at work. And He'll even use the hurt and the pain to mold us and shape us even to be more like Him. You know, maybe this morning you're suffering because you have a broken relationship with your child. I mean, you remember this child as a baby in your arm where you sacrificed and you nurtured, and, and now they're, they've just kind of walked away from everything that you've tried to instill in them. In fact, there's hardly any contact. And it feels as though this season of life will never end. It hurts. It's my baby, it's my child, it's my son, it's my daughter. Peter says, mind us, remember, Our suffering is temporary. That eternal glory for you will overshadow anything that you've had to suffer and endure here on earth. You know, maybe you're in a very difficult marriage. You're suffering. And you're just wondering, why do I even stick around? And you find yourself hurting and pain. I just want you to know, Peter keeps emphasizing to us over, and over, and over again. There is hope when you're hurt. There is hope even in the pain. God is at work accomplishing something in us, and it is temporary because something awaits that will surpass anything. That you've had to endure. You know, you'd say, people just don't understand the struggle, the, the pain I face every single day. You, you beg God for him to take away your feelings and, and to be attracted to the opposite sex, but it doesn't seem to be happening. You feel so tormented inside. Peter reminds us, it's only temporary. Because something awaits, because of the grace of God, that will be for all eternity. So Peter says, while you suffer, remember, suffering is temporary. God wants to accomplish something in you. And God wants to give you the grace to endure. I actually think verse 10 and verse 11 could be our prayer. I think we could pray this every day. And the God of grace who called you into his great glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. How do I know that's true? How do I know really that that awaits for me? How do I know really that he will heal me, restore me, make me firm and steadfast? It's because of verse 11. He says, to him, to him be the power forever and ever and ever. amen. That amen means it is true. The blessing of your salvation will far outweigh the burden of any suffering that you've ever had to endure. And so he reminds us that suffering is temporary but his glory is for eternity. Because he has the power. He has the power to do it all. He alone has all the power to restore you to make you firm and steadfast, to heal the broken. When he says, amen, it is so, it's like he's saying, and God, I am counting on you to use your power to restore me and to make me new again. We've said this a lot throughout this series. This world is not our home. It just isn't. We're passing through. We're pilgrims. We're foreigners. We're sojourners in this world. You know where our home is? It's heaven. And sometimes I feel like we need to maybe pray these verses over and over and over again. Sometimes I need to preach these verses to myself. Other days maybe we just need to meditate on this. These verses all day long. Because we have the grace of God. The old captain of a Slave ship, John Newton wrote these words, you'll recognize them. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Grace is not just a great word. It really is our only hope. I like what Jerry Bridges said about grace. Grace. My worst days, like you think about that, your worst days. Just think of for a moment, what was my worst day? He says, my worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the grace of God. Don't you love that? Your worst day is never beyond the grace of God. God always seems to go just a little bit farther. And your best days, by the way, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Your worst days, his grace goes beyond your best days are still not good enough that's why his grace is needed so as you maybe find yourself this morning struggling suffering in pain hurt it isn't over because the god of all grace all grace has called you to his eternal glory in christ can he restore yes Can he make you strong? Yes. Can he make you firm? Yes. Can he make you steadfast? Yes. Why? Because he has all the power forever and ever. We cannot live our lives based on our feelings. We have to live our lives based on the truth. And the truth is our suffering is temporary. But the glory that awaits is eternal. So when all is said and done, we win. There are better days ahead. And it is all because of God's amazing grace. Thanks for listening. And consider joining us live on Sundays at 9, 15, and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.